Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Time for a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast alongside the Chelsea blogger on WGNRadio.com and the NHL.com Blackhawks correspondent Scott King. I am your Blackhawks pre and post game host on WGN Radio, Chris Bowden, coming to you from the WGN studios. And a lot to talk about over the course of the last two weeks since the last time we put a bow on the Blackhawks season because a lot has happened from about the Hawks specifically. And we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. We have some specific content on the way, a visit with Brian Campbell as well as one with Henry Yoki Haru. But Scott, first and foremost, let's talk about this wild first round of the NHL playoffs. I guess uh, there was a time several years ago I read on NHL Public Relations on Twitter today as we come to you on Tuesday morning that six there were six series that actually went to Game 7 several years ago. But now we have three, possibly four. And I tweeted this out last night because you have both top seeds in each conference gone, a number two seed, a potential... Uh, second number two seed in defending champ going three wild cards are in potentially four and I, I tweeted this out last night if you don't think it's difficult to win a Stanley Cup just watch what's been going on over the last couple of years and if you're so inclined I know Blackhawks fans are, are frustrated as the organization is with what's happened over the last couple of years not making the playoffs early exits but it just says so much more as to what the Blackhawks accomplished three times over six years with how tough it is to win a Stanley Cup. As you watch these series play out year after year, you see how good the parity is and and how much closer it is every single year. I think the, the people that pay attention, that the fans that keep watching when the Hawks are out are, are finally starting to see how amazing it is that they won those three Cups. And I, I have to check my daughter... I had her do a bracket after I did mine, and she just picked based on the names of the teams she liked. And I have to look. I think she might have like almost every series right. Your daughter loves from, blue jackets, doesn't she? I think she? And the Maple Leafs. So we'll see how they're doing. It's like, well, Maple Leafs. Yeah, and uh, we won't backtrack to what we were talking about uh, as we headed into the playoffs following the Blackhawks postmortem as to because it's probably as ugly as everybody else was thinking. But as I mentioned, you have three wild cards. After Monday night, Dallas knocks off Nashville. You have Carolina pushing Washington to a seventh game on Wednesday. You already have Columbus in and um, Colorado knocking off the West top seed Calgary in fairly easy fashion. It seems, you know, even though these series may be short, the games may not necessarily be easy. But uh, let's start with what we may anticipate on Wednesday. We'll just have a quick snippet on each of these series. Carolina with absolutely nothing to lose, granted in a series where the home team has won every game. And then we've been on the opposite end of the spectrum in some of these playoff series where it's all been road teams. But now all the pressure on the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals going home. We'll see how how tight they squeeze their sticks. There have been a couple important injuries in that series on each side of it. But 
Carolina has Mr. Game 7 and Justin Williams, and what a fantastic tip in that was in Game 6 that, that he executed. And I think it's just going to be fascinating theater to see a maniacal Alex Ovechkin with the way Game 6 finished, trying to lead that team into the second round. And that it, it's an, they're going through an exhausting first round against this Carolina team with absolutely nothing to lose. If you're a Capitals fan, you're watching Game 7 at home, hoping to see a more composed Alex Ovechkin. That's that's the most I've seen him lose his cool ever. And easy to lip read on Monday it, night. A little too easy, perhaps. <laughs> and maybe that's the, uh, the Russian uh, compensating for English. I don't know. But uh, yeah, he, he really lost his cool there. The, the slash at the end, uh, talking to the <laughs> officials after after that call that I didn't think use was... quotes around talking when you say that right, talking right. to the official okay? <laughs> spouting off perhaps mm-hmm. better uh, and I didn't think that call was that controversial because uh, I think people thought it was just because the ref lost sight of it and blew a whistle that wasn't and then the, the the explanation came out it was also or perhaps more so because Ovechkin bumped the goaltender and, mm-hmm. and he was unable to play the puck. So I think it's the right call, and that that happens in games. You got to know that. You got to keep your cool. It, the, yeah, the the Hurricanes scored right after that. Yeah, like two minutes later. Yeah, rub salt in the wound a little you, bit more. You, you got a great team, the Capitals. You can't lose your cool. Maybe they find a way to win that if you if you don't uh, erupt the way he did. And look, I don't know. You know, you can you can say maybe he started to, to lose his cool when he when he agreed to uh, fight someone that. Svechnikov. Yeah, yeah, you know that, and and he, he, yeah, I give guys credit for being tough, but you know maybe he shouldn't have picked that fight himself. Um, but you know maybe it's a young player learning a tough lesson right there. A, I think it was it was a hard right. Uh, oh, man, yeah, that's tough to watch. So I mean yeah. maybe Ovechkin started kind of acting out of his his character that we've seen him kind of you know emerge as, as a as a leader and, and a and a veteran guy in recent years. So maybe he started playing outside of him a little. A little outside of himself going back to uh, to that incident, but we'll see how he goes in Game 7. Yep, Svechnikov, Furland, I guess there's possibilities they can return for Carolina in Game 7. We know T.J. Oshie, a very key player in Washington's run out after an ugly collision earlier there in the series. He may miss the entire rest of the playoffs and did have surgery, apparently. And then the other game on Monday night, Dallas. Uh, their top guys, Radulov, Sagan, um, and Ben have gotten it back together. Ben Bishop has stayed healthy. I think that's all he needs to do. And we we see this trend also in some of the other series. If your top guys aren't clicking or the opponent finds a way to shut down your top guys, Johansson, Arvidsson, and um, the third member of that line, oh, Forsberg, those three, that line combined for two goals and two assists over six games. So uh, we've seen this in other series that we'll touch on, but when one team's top line or top guys are rolling and the others isn't, it's a tough, tough battle to try and overcome that in a series, too. Yeah, if you can shut down a team's top line, and we've seen the Hawks do this when they've won cups, you put that much more pressure on the rest of the lineup. And that's those guys aren't used to that kind of pressure and having to perform that way and maybe play those minutes during a regular season. So it makes a huge difference. So we have Dallas now taking on St. Louis, which knocks off Winnipeg. And, you know, that's the other aspect of all this. And talking about how difficult it is, arrows pointing up a couple years ago for Nashville, for Winnipeg last season as they make it to the conference final. They get knocked out in the first round this year, cannot figure out a way to win at home, have rosters that are loaded with talent, but it doesn't matter 
if you're facing a hot team going into the postseason, if you don't have your game on and some of these teams that have been scratching and fighting and battling or have just been on a magnificent roll like St. Louis has, Jaden Schwartz really delivers the knockout punch in that Game 5 in Winnipeg and that stunning victory for St. Louis coming back on the road. And then the hat trick early on in the deciding Game 6. Jordan Bennington allowing just six goals against in the last three games. And Winnipeg, even though some of their guys did play well, their big guys did play well, from Dustin Bufflin to to Shifley and Wheeler and Line, he found his game again. Now you have a Winnipeg team, kind of like David Poyle in Nashville, wondering, okay, where do we go from here? We thought we had all the ingredients. Winnipeg has seven UFAs, seven RFAs, and they have cap crunch problems. And it's just going to be fascinating to see just the cold reality, the slap in the face that some of these teams get when you think you're going to have another deep run and it just ends like that. You're seeing it all the time in these yeah. playoffs, it seems like. Bufflin's been really interesting to watch. And I think I might have thought this last year, too. It's he, he gets to another level and even the way he moves and is joining the rush and playing, it's kind of like, how is he doing this? I remember, mm-hmm. I remember several years ago he uh, showed up to a camp a little, a little uh, overweight, perhaps doughy for a little, <laughs> a little plus size, a little me after the second intermission meal uh, in the press box. But it, and he's still, you know, he's not, he's still big. He's he's huge and he's not cut like Dwayne Johnson, but he's he really moves and plays very well in the playoffs, and, and he certainly did this series, a guy you noticed the whole time, so it, it's good to see him playing that way. As we sit here Tuesday morning, Colorado awaits the winner of Tuesday night's Game 7 between Vegas and San Jose, a little bit on Colorado and Calgary. Man, Colorado's big line, which was disassembled for a while there as they tried to you know refine some answers or recapture some answers that they had lost earlier in the season when Rantanen and Landeskog and McKinnon were so good, they were reunited. They combined for Nine goals and 21 points in that series. And then, uh, you know, our, our midseason picks for postseason honors, I think, was a Calgary Flames sweep. Well, yeah, they won the West in the regular season. But Goudreau, Lindholm, and Monaghan, those guys that kill the Hawks every time that the Hawks see them, they combine in five games for two goals and all of five points between those three players. Mark Giordano also had a very quiet series as well. And again, Calgary comes out like gangbusters, wins the first game, and after that, they get completely shut down, and they score just seven goals in the last four games. It's another one of those narratives where whose top line is hotter and who's connecting and who's clicking, and that makes a big difference in the series. And also, we have to stop making predictions. We shouldn't predict yeah. now or later. Well, I'll <laughs> ask you about San Jose, Vegas tonight, and then Toronto and Boston. Oh, man. But yeah, it just to me, and, and Nathan McKinnon, we knew he was good, and now back in this spotlight in the, in the postseason, he seems to uh, be, definitely be stealing that. San Jose, Vegas, that Sunday night game six was absolutely amazing in Vegas because the Golden Knights pretty much dominated play, but the interesting narrative there is that Martin Jones, a goalie who's come under so much criticism, and, and rightly so with his inconsistent up-and-down play, he had himself a marvelous game, 58-59 saves in that one. If anyone on the national stage isn't familiar with Tomas Hurdle, I think you're familiar with him now as, as he delivers that shorthanded goal. And now Vegas has a little bit of pressure going into San Jose for that game six and looking to find their game because kudos to uh, for the Sharks for, for being on the brink and forcing a game seven after trailing 3-1. And then you have Toronto, Boston, 
Uh, I thought this series was going to be much shorter than it was the way Toronto was playing down the stretch. That kind of reverses the narrative here, where they've suddenly found their game. They win game one in Boston. All of a sudden, they have a new sense of confidence, playing a little bit better defensively, uh, you know, batting down the hatches a little bit. I, I think the big question going into game seven in Boston here tonight is whether Big Head Guy is going to be in the stands <laughs> in Boston. If you're watching Game Six, in I missed Toronto. that. It seemed to catch on huge on <laughs> social media, but I missed. So, what was that exactly? It was, it was a guy standing right in the line of the TV shot that was blocking maybe the lower quarter portion of the screen <laughs> on NBC's coverage, and standing it, up, standing up, and during a long stretch of play in the third period when oh it was nail biting time, this big, this guy's big, sh- the shadow of his head standing in the way of the shot. So that took off on social media. It's kind of like a couple guys who stand in front of me. They're <laughs> in the in the top row in the radio booth, uh, top row in front of the radio booth, where we're situated low enough where if we're sitting, they do block out part of our part of our view from the press. It's the box same thing there. with where I am in the press box. Yes, and I still have a feeling that somehow, some way, Toronto is going to be heartbroken. Canada's last hope to win a Stanley Cup for the first time in ni- since nineteen ninety three, after Winnipeg and Calgary have stunning exits. Although, you know, who knows what's going to happen. I, Toronto has found a way to stay in it this long. You would think Boston finds a way to dig deep at home and find a way to, to advance and break the Maple Leafs' hearts once again. But the, the way this, this postseason has gone, you just never know. Seems like Austin Matthews is turning on quite yeah. a bit, right, for Toronto. After, I think, having only one point or something like that in the series last year against yeah. against, yeah, disappeared. against Boston. Um, that, that's found a way. But the, that's been a fascinating series to watch. So two Game 7s heading into uh, the night here of the day we record this podcast. So listen early. And then, of course, we have to get to Columbus, Tampa Bay, and the Islanders in Pittsburgh. Columbus, absolutely stunning victory against Tampa Bay. We go back to it. Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, all 40 goal scores. They combined for two goals and five points in four games. Columbus suddenly found the magic with about a week, week and a half to go in the regular season to get into the playoffs. And, man, they absolutely dominated that series after the first period of the first game. Tampa Bay manages just five goals over the last 11 periods. Go figure. Well, it's a good thing one of us from the show didn't go on NBC and pick Tampa Bay to win the Stanley Cup final. (laughs) Oh, wait a minute. I did. But I did. To be fair, I said, look, I... um, I was on NBC Sports Sunday before the playoffs started, and I said, look, uh, yeah, I think Tampa Bay looks like they're going to win it this year, but everyone picks them every year since 2015. You know, it's been like a rule that mm-hmm. everyone has to pick them. I said, I feel like I have to shower saying it because I'm like everyone else, but I did think that they were going to win because they were so good yeah. all season. So Columbus will face the winner of Toronto and Boston. Columbus went 5 for 10 on the power play in that series, and I guess the main question here is the amount of time they have on the layoff uh, coming back, whether that's going to hurt them. I mean, they tried to make so much of a game atmosphere at practice on Monday where they invited fans to come in. I think they had 5,500 fans. That was really to come cool. That was a practice. really good idea. Open the doors there. So Columbus will face the winner of Toronto and Boston. And then you have the New York Islanders who pull out the broom on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Let's go back to that narrative once again. Sid, Kessel, Gensel, Malkin, 
combined for three goals and seven points in a four-game sweep by the New York Islanders, who have just pulled a complete 180. They have their share of important free agents going into the offseason, like Columbus does, um, like Winnipeg does, but they're riding Barry Trotz, and if Washington should win Game 7, there's your interesting storyline with Barry Trotz going on and the Islanders going on to face the former team he won the cup with. And the Islanders are sitting around waiting, too, after an impressive performance against Pittsburgh. I think you got to give yourself a little credit, actually, with not with the way things not shaking out so far like people expected them to. I don't know if you said on the show, it might have been before our last show, that you said, I think Doc Emmerich told you that there's when there's that Three day layoff. Three days between the end of the regular season and the playoffs, something happens sometimes. And that's happened a whole lot. I think, but I think things it, happen. I think it also plays into how teams are also playing. There's the exceptions like Toronto. They were giving up boatloads of goals. You know, just look at that Blackhawks game when the Blackhawks scored five goals in the first 30 minutes in Toronto. That was part of a stretch where they were playing just horribly. You know, sometimes something happens where, you know, the light goes on for the, these teams once the playoff begins. But I think the more common narrative how is how teams are playing and how hard they have to push and be on their game just to get in and then they're dealing with house money once once the playoffs right, start right. They, they've reached their goal they're going up against Goliath and then all of a sudden you know they make Goliath uncomfortable and all of a sudden you all have a, have a series real quick so since the last time we spoke Joel Quenville, that move has become official. He is the head coach at Florida. I haven't seen any other announcements that some of his buddies is Mike Kitchens, perhaps Kevin Deneens or anything like that will be joining him. I think that's inevitable, and uh, it's going to be an interesting narrative, too. I wasn't the only one who, who you know recognized the Panarin-Bobrovsky storyline, perhaps, floating that way once free agency starts. So congratulations to Q for being back in uh, the league at Florida. That certainly will be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Florida, with whatever changes they make, finds a way to make the playoffs next year. More recently here, we'll move our way back from the most recent news, Blackhawks-wise. Chris Versteeg is back in the organization, and Blackhawks fans, just calm down, take a breath. This does not mean Chris Versteeg is going to be the main acquisition in the offseason and that he is going to be the savior for the Blackhawks in 2019-20. It is only an AHL contract. He is going to be in invited to camp, but in reading and listening to him in interviews after his signing with the Rockford Ice Hogs, uh, he's finally healthy again and was playing in the Swedish Hockey League for a handful of games after being in the KHL. This guy has had hip surgery over the last couple of years. He wasn't in the NHL at all last season and couldn't find a taker after hip surgery. Had shingles when he was overseas. Misses his family. That's the reason. He's taking this approach as he's going to be a mentor, give back to the organization, and if, hey, something should happen to happen where he plays well enough in camp or where he's needed somewhere during the course of the season and the Blackhawks need an extra body, he'd be that guy there. But there's going to be much more on the plate for the Blackhawks, and I think this is more a feel-good story, and if, hey, he manages to find his game like he apparently did in a handful of games in the regular season in the playoffs in the Swedish Hockey League, it's icing on the cake. It was a nice move by the team to, to sign him and give him this opportunity. The fans are really excited. He's always a fan favorite since his. Well, some are since his. Uh, well, the ones that understand what it is, right? Like you said, and uh, you know, everyone's liked him since his rapping days at the uh, rally in 2010. And he did a new it again. disc jockey in the Ice Hogs locker room this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's a, it's a good move to see because you know maybe 
it plays out the way where this is his last season playing period and he finishes his career in the, in the Hawks organization and can become one of those uh, ambassadors, guys you see at the convention, guys you see at autograph signings. So he'll be involved with the team moving forward, I can imagine. Probably another reason for signing and, and coming back here. Funny dude. And uh, yeah, people forget during when he was playing well during his, his heyday, he was a regular 20-goal scorer for, I don't know, three, four seasons at least and uh, won Cups with the Blackhawks in 2010 and 2015. So just, just take it easy. Take it for what it is, because what it is right now is just him getting an opportunity to be back in the organization and you know just rolling the dice and seeing where the chips fall and if, if, in fact, he earns an opportunity at some point with the Blackhawks. A couple of other nuggets, but very important ones with the Blackhawks in the two weeks since we last brought you a podcast, and that is Patrick Kane and Alex Dabrinkit once again will be going to the World Championships in Slovakia. The games begin on May 10th. It was a very successful trip for those two guys, as well as a couple of other Blackhawks and Connor Murphy and Jordan Osterley um, in uh, meddling last year. And uh, Patrick Kane will wear the C once again. Eric Gustafsson, Marcus Kruger will play for Sweden. And it gives Blackhawk fans, uh, you know, something more interesting to watch here as, you know, the playoffs go on without them. You know, most of these games, if not all of them, are televised. And I, I, had, I, had, a, I had a kick out of watching, you know, a couple of Blackhawk stars immerse themselves in this other tournament and and give it a little bit of meaning and, and play with passion in, in playing for their country, too, last year. Yeah, they love doing it. And Kane really embraces this leadership role when he mm-hmm. has it, too. You saw last time with the Worlds when he's been a uh, alternate captain. or I don't think he's... Has he captained an All-Star team yet? I'm trying to think if he did, if he did uh, recently. NHL All-Star yeah. team? Yeah, I can't, I can't remember. If he did, I, it, was, I he was he did it was the last one, but he's, yeah. he's been an alternate. And there was that one year, a few years ago, where Quinville sat him and Taves down, and there was a, vi- there was a video of it on the Hawks' site. <laughs> and, he t- and he said, you guys are, are going to be captains. And Kane was all excited. And he's like, yeah, Jonathan, you're, you're captain. This team, t- uh, Kaner, you're the alternate. And he goes, oh. So he, you know, he really he does want to to be even more of a leader than, than he has been, and he always uh, embraces it. And I think this maybe the last worlds where they played together was a good dose of of Debrinket and, and Kane and what they can do and their chemistry. And, and the, I know the fans really enjoyed that. So not that those guys need any work together after this season, but it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, it'll be a nice uh, refreshing change, of course, where you see some familiar faces, and both of those guys played really well. I know Brandon Sod at the exit interview said he was interested and had been contacted as we record here on Tuesday morning. Uh, uh, USA Hockey had only announced 14 skaters, and I think what they may be doing in terms of whether Brandon Sada is still in that mix, waiting until the first round is over with and seeing if some of the guys who get knocked out in the first round might want to go overseas as well. So we'll see how that plays out. And then the other huge news, totally unexpected and with a little bit of luck, is that the Blackhawks jumped to the number three pick in the June 21st NHL draft, overcoming the odds. The New York Rangers also overcame some odds. And there are some ticked-off people in the NHL that New Jersey's number one, after having the number one overall pick two years ago when it was held here at the United Center, the Rangers are number two, big market. The Blackhawks are number three. But there was that nice little Stan Bowman smile. As the cards I, was like, were I had to rewind. Released. I was like, what was that? What, what, what was that on my screen? And I saw it. So, so now we get into the debate. 
number three. They're uh, the the top two picks are clear cut in Jack Hughes and Capo uh, Caco from uh, from Finland, who whose star has really risen. Scored the game winning goal at the World Junior Championships for the Finland team that Henry Yokiharju was on. But now there is a gray area with what to do. There are those scouts who say that Vasily Podkolzin, who is with Russia and is committed to them for at least two more years to play in the KHL, will be a superstar in the NHL, but you're not going to see him for at least two more years. Whether the Blackhawks should go that route if he is a clear-cut greater talent than everyone else in that mix, but would you rather go with someone in terms of filling needs a future center with size and speed, a guy like Dylan Cousins, who I watched in their U18 game for Canada against Belarus on Sunday and was really impressive. 6'3", definitely has the frame he has to fill out, but makes a lot of hard plays, goes to tough areas, is a big center, could also play wing. You know, there are other couple other names in the mix in terms of Alex Turcott, a kid who grew up in Island Lake here, who's the son of Alfie Turcott, uh, who is on that U.S. Uh, national team as well. Uh, if you want to go a big defenseman, I know there's been a, a narrative of the Blackhawks picking defensemen here over the course of the last couple of uh, drafts and building up that supply in their system and and indeed it has been built up a guy like Bowen Byram who has size but can also play well in the defensive end uh, size something the Blackhawks are lacking in their system another guy named Kirby Doc who is not involved in any of the under 18 tournaments right now due to his birthday it's another big talented center so uh, we're getting to see some of these players on the U18 also Cole Caulfield who is a spitting image of Alex Dabrinkit and has already set records in terms of goal scoring he's only five foot seven so you know, there's already a debate here two months out in terms of which way the Blackhawks should go. But, you know, sitting there in that number three spot after those first two picks, the Blackhawks certainly have the pick of the litter with what way they want to go. They have a few opportunities. Like you said, a defenseman's needed soon. That was their, their issue this past season. I think I like Dylan Cozens the most. He's going to be ready sooner than Pat Closen. He has a great shot. He controls the puck at high speeds. He's very quick. Uh, I saw one report said he has an excellent 200-foot game. So you, you need that two-way center, uh, maybe just for depth now in your lineup until he can, he can play on one of the top two lines. But I think his upside is probably the most. He, he has the best chance to be NHL ready. I think he's, he's going to do uh, pretty well in the league. Bowen uh, Byram, skill and size have been great. He... He might not be. It might not take him too long to be ready. Yeah, I think uh, Cousins, Cousins, and 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 Byram are probably a year away. You know, fair enough. And, yeah. and that and, and that goes into the equation with okay, if Colson is that much head and shoulders in in a scout's eyes or in an evaluator's eyes, do you want to wait that extra year right. and hope that he comes after two years, which is sometimes no guarantee for Russian players who are committed to the KHL. So it's just a fascinating debate here. And there are, there are people out there who want another to bring it. Another yeah, five right. foot seven well, player I mean, who is lighting it up like crazy, but I guess it depends on how you view the league and your team going forward and the needs. Whether you have too many of this type of player and not enough of this type of player, it's all part of the the scale, you know, the, yeah. the equation too. Yeah. The other reason I'm leaning towards Cozens, I think the Hawks have they've selected these guys in the first or second round the last couple of years. Defensemen, you figure Yokoharu is going to be 
ready probably all year to stay in the NHL this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. You'll see how Bockfist is. He might have to head back to the OHL for another season. Right. So I think you, you got your defensemen that are, you know, going to play next year finally or are a year away. So why not, why not take a good center? You can't have enough good, talented centers, especially one that's big. You know, you need them all to be quick now, and Cozens is. But it's nice to have one who's big and play a two hundred foot game. I think, I think he's the uh, the best option for me. And there's always a chance they trade it for some guys who have been playing in the league. You know, they need defensemen. So maybe they'll get some defensemen who've been playing in the league a little bit a season or two who are uh, pretty enticing. We'll see. I'm inclined to think the same way you are yeah, in terms of of getting talent down the middle of your lineup and center and, and Jonathan Taves is, has turned 30 you want to maybe see an heir apparent Dylan Strom is there already but uh, again it's all in the eyes of each team's evaluator so uh, that U18 tournament is going on right now in Sweden and watch Team Canada you can see a couple of these guys watch Team USA Turcotte's there Cole Caulfield is there you can see how talented Jack Hughes is so you can see some of these players that are in the discussion if you're keeping an eye on the U18 tournament which by the way after every US goal they're playing Chelsea Dagger and the other day after every Canadian goal, or after every goal, I, I think it may also have to do with, with the locations, because there's two different cities at the U18 tournament. After every goal in that Canada game, they were playing Living on a Prayer by <laughs> Bon Jovi. And when these these games start going 9-2, to 11-4, and you're hearing this song after every goal, you're, okay, enough. Much as I love There should Chelsea be no music Decker. at that point. You mentioned... The defensive situation, a couple of other uh, tidbits here with Blackhawks draft picks deciding to go back to college this year. The number two and the number three picks from the 2017 draft. Ian Mitchell, a lot of people thought he may sign with the Blackhawks after his sophomore year at Denver. They made the Frozen Four, fell short. He has decided to go back to Denver. Same for Evan Barrett from Penn State, who at one point last season was leading NCAA in goals scored. He finished with 16, point, uh, 16 goals and 43 points. Uh, that's still in the upper echelon. The 43 points, 14th in all of NCAA. Mitchell was a plus 18 for Denver. Barrett was a plus 19 for Penn State. But each is going to go back for their respective junior seasons. So Mitchell out of the mix for the Blackhawks next season. And that leads you to more defensive discussion here in terms of Adam Boquist, Henry Yoki Haru, and you mentioned Yoki Haru a short time ago, and he finished his season with Rockford. I decided to go up to Rockford on their uh, clean-out day, on their evaluation day, and I had a chance to talk to Henry, and um, he finished, let me look up the numbers real quick, 30 games at Rockford, two goals, 15 assists, a plus 7. So maybe the offensive numbers aren't necessarily what you had hoped if he would be sent down there. But he was exposed to every situation down there. And uh, I had a chance to uh, to visit with Henry a little bit. Uh, again, Henry remains Henry. Very soft-spoken, very reserved when, when, when talking to the media. It's hard to pull a lot out of him in terms of some emotions but we started our conversation here this this brief uh talk that that we'll share with you here 
after Rockford's uh, season ended, fell short of the playoffs. And uh, we talked about some of the highs and lows emotion-wise he had gone through since starting his uh, first, I don't know, uh, two months of his career with the Blackhawks into early mid-December until he was assigned to Team Finland at the World Juniors. Here's my visit with Henry Yoki Haru last week. A lot of emotion, obviously, and the upside downs and uh, World Juniors. Obviously, it was a big, 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 really big deal for me and uh, obviously for our whole country and the whole team. And uh, I think that was a big deal. And just, and just pressing down here and just, just try to develop and develop my game at that kind of level that I could play whole year in NHL next year. Any guys from Chicago you stayed in touch with while you were down here? Uh, well, yeah, sometimes I text Dunks. Dunks, mm-hmm. Dunks he's a nice guy and uh, he's a good, kind of good mentor for me as well. I, you feel you're a better player now than the time before you were sent to World Juniors and, and the time since then? And, and if so, in what ways are you better? Uh, I think, yeah, I think my defensive zone, defensive zone skills, I would say, like, just learn how to defend and just go see the difference what makes you a good defender, defender in a D zone than, than worse. I know your confidence level, you probably thought you were one of the top six in Chicago all along. Um, how, how much of a, of a chip on the shoulder did that give you? And, you know, heading into the off season with, with kind of something to prove that, you know, when you go into training camp again next year, you want to prove that all over again. Yeah, obviously you want to prove, prove the guys wrong. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge, huge off season. But uh, I think it's, it's going to be a lot easier than last year for me just to go to the camp so I, don't, I know what's going to happen and uh, you know know what, what what's going to have to accept you know what's preseason games coming and you know kind of know the game style already so it makes it a little bit easier and I think last year it was, it was hard to go or like this season was hard to go in camp and uh, yeah, made it but I think next year hopefully we'll start a little bit easier and you know when Jeremy came aboard he did a little tweak to the defensive system and it was yeah. adjustment for any, everybody how much of an adjustment was that for you when, when he came in and wanted to tweak things a little bit on the defensive end yeah just, just defensive so coverage mostly it was a little bit different man on man coverage so I think that was the biggest Mm-hmm. How would you evaluate your play here down the stretch over the last couple of months since you, you know, came back from World Juniors and then, you know, uh, were sent back down here? I think it, uh, I were playing pretty good hockey over here. Just try to develop my game, like you, you're taking new steps all the time, and uh, just not not just play the games and just be mad or sad. Just you're down here, just try to get better every day, and I think I, I did. It. I'm pretty happy with it. What are your goals now for the off season? What do you have planned in terms of training? Are you doing anything different? Still going over and, and working yeah. with your family? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have one trainer, one trainer over there, so I work with him and there's, there's normal stuff and just get prepared for next season. Yeah. In what ways do you, what areas of your game do you still want to improve? Oh, just all, all areas. Like, there's not any particular like part of my game I just want to be a little bit more consistent and I think I think that's that's hard to be as a young guy be consistent but I think I could, I could be next year that guy I wouldn't think there's any doubt Scott that, that Henry Yokihari will be a full-timer up here with the Blackhawks next season and then you start looking at the numbers situation you know Keith's going to be here you know Gustafson's going to be here you know Seabrook's going to be here whether you like it or not um, and Connor Murphy in that mix as well. And you would think Henry Yokihari is going to be a, a part of that top six mix. I asked him in that conversation and, you know, he, I, I knew that he felt all along he was one of the top best six 
Blackhawks up at the NHL level throughout his time here. But the reason the Blackhawks sent him down was was to expose him to other situations so he could better round out his game. But I think uh, he's going to be up here for good next season. And then the question becomes what you do. They have already committed to Carl Dahlstrom for next year. As we tape here on Tuesday morning, Gustav Forsling remains restricted. They have to make a decision on him. Slater Cuckoo remains restricted. And with Ian Mitchell out of the mix. Nicholas Bodin is not going to be ready. We'll get to Adam Boquist in a bit. But uh, I see Henry Yokiharu up here full-time, full 82-gamer next year with the Blackhawks, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Like you said, he definitely does. A lot of people were surprised that he spent so much time in the AHL last year, but he's going to be a much better player for it this upcoming season. Like you said, a lot of different situations. It's going to be a lot more comfortable uh, wherever he's put in whatever situation. So it ended up doing him a lot of good, and he should have uh, a much better year. I think there is that chip on that shoulder. He won't come out and say it You know, when I asked him that question during the interview, but I think it's definitely there. Let's now talk about uh, Adam Boquist and and he had himself a marvelous season down in London offensively and had himself a great playoff as well in the first round four-game sweep. Um, he had, I believe, seven goals it was, and then they moved on to the second round against Guelph. And uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, another Blackhawks prospect, London breaks out to a 3 nothing series lead and blows it. And loses 4-3 for 11 games in the postseason. Adam Boquist had 10 goals and 3 assists. 8 of those 10 goals came on the power play. And But his season with London is now over. Mackenzie Entwistle, by the way, his uh, team is now in the OHL uh, semifinals against Saginaw. They trailed 2 games to 1 after they came back and won on Monday. Entwistle's playing at about a point-per-game pace in the playoffs so far. But on to Adam Boquist, and we played this on our final post-game show from our WGN broadcast when the Blackhawks uh, lost their season finale in Nashville. Had a chance to catch up with Brian Campbell, and if you're unfamiliar uh, with uh, a segment that was posted on Blackhawks TV, kind of an 11-minute feature called Shift Change. Brian Campbell and the Blackhawks TV cameras followed Brian to London a couple of times, one time in particular here for a visit a couple of days. And Brian, in his role with the Blackhawks since retiring, was more on the broadcast end of things, continued to keep his hand in that in his second season, more on the broadcast end of things his first year. But now in his second year with the stable of young Blackhawks defensemen, uh, he wanted to get more involved in not necessarily a coaching role, but a mentor role. And you see this, if you haven't checked it out on Blackhawks TV already, great piece called Shift Change and how Brian's trying to be there for Adam a couple of times during the course of the season, checking up on him, going over some of his film, sitting down with him, picking his brain, allowing Adam to pick his brain. And it's really a fun watch. And I followed up on the release of Shift Change on Blackhawks TV and Blackhawks.com for a visit with Brian to expand on that a little bit more. And, you know, when we begin this conversation, which is about Boquist's development, I first asked him about his desire to get more onto the on-ice end of things and how that kind of translated into a a dual role, both on camera and on ice, in helping Adam Boquist out this season. It's my second year, obviously, out out of playing. So uh, my first year was kind of an adjustment, and then when I saw them 
you know, obviously draft Boquist and Bodin, I was like, ah, you know what, I hopefully I can maybe be a little bit of an asset and kind of grow what I'm doing within the organization. So um, that was when I just approached Stan Bowman and, and Al McIsaac and said, I, I thought this would be a good idea. I had a good relationship with the coaching staff uh, in London um, where Boquist is playing. Uh, I've known that the, the Hunters a long time. So, um, you know, I just knew the access would be good that way. And, and um, you know, hopefully it uh, can take a couple small steps out of, out of his game that I had to go through and I'm sure Duncan Keith had to go through. And, and um, if we can get him to the Blackhawks a little bit quicker and when he's ready, then that's a good thing. How much of you do you see in him from uh, back in the old 67s days yeah i think um i think you see a lot i think any player now is so much more mature than what players were 20 years ago i think they're they've prepared more they've played in bigger events and more um uh, world events that they have now and more exposure so it's it's definitely a, a different game but you know there's things that I see in his game that you know that I had to learn um, and it took me maybe till I was 27 28 to learn those things so if we can teach him those some of the easier simpler t- tidbits out there on the ice that maybe he can learn these and, and have more success um, in the NHL a, a little quicker how how good of uh, an eager of uh, a listener and learner has he become in terms of applying the things you're sh- telling him and showing him on video into game situation? Yeah, I think you know I, I definitely have seen it um, in the games I've seen. Seen I've also noticed a, a massive improvement from September when I went initially and saw him play. Um, he's come along. He's, he's got off to a really good start in the playoffs, which is always um, a bigger stage for hockey. So, um, for me, I think it's just you know you want to see him develop and and um, kind of work on some of the things that you know I talked to him about and, and using the uh, use of video to to keep explaining and helping him that way. So I think it's been you know you got to give the kid a lot of credit. He moved here into North America playing hockey at 18 in, in a, a different league and a pretty good league at that. Um, you know it takes time to adjust to all that and his teammates love him and um, you know I think it's been a, a, a huge success this year for him. And going where he has, you said the league and the team, the history of that that London franchise. Uh, you don't have to go very deep into the list of NHL stars to see how many people played there and, and how much it, it probably helped them along the way too. Yeah, it's, it's basically run like a mini NHL actually there. Um, the fans, the 9,000 fans they get every single game is sometimes more than some fans in some buildings in the NHL. So um, the coaching staff, the general manager have all played in the NHL. Um, so it definitely is a, a massive focus on hockey and, and developing and, and getting better, but it's also a focus on winning. They, they want to win championships there they have a good team this year and have a chance of winning the ohl championship so um it's definitely um the right place for him to be this year and and he's he's growing with it and he's adapted really well and um you know I, i sit back and i tell him that i think he should be proud of himself this year what he's done 
in the piece, you, you say I, you're pretty much leaving him alone offensively with, with his skill set. I mean, it, it is mostly about yeah, getting into good defensive habits, and there's nothing like that in game situations, but yeah, that, that's probably been the, the majority of, of your tips with him. Yeah, especially my, you know, the last time we went over things, and we say good defensive habits, and a lot of people think, okay, that's blue line in defensive habits, but for me and, and even the players and, and the fans have been lucky enough to watch let's say Duncan over these years and his defensive habits start you know even in the offensive zone how he how he prepares himself to defend and and what I mean by that is we talk you know you hear the word gaps and it's so important in the NHL well that is you know taking away time and space and you don't have a lot of room between you and the player coming at you with the puck and and if the the tighter that can be earlier um in the ice or in the neutral zone, it's going to be a benefit to, to the defenseman playing it. So I think, you know, that's something that, you know, for Adam, um, so I don't think it's stressed a lot when you're playing junior hockey or, or early junior where he's playing like last year, but it's so vital to the next step and will make him a better player. Um, so that's one thing right there. If he can, you know, think about that and that'll help him defend better and, you know, that's why I say to him, you'll spend less time in your own zone by doing that, and that means you're on the offense, which every player wants to play and where he strives at. You lasted into the final few days of training camp, and I, I suppose that kind of raised some people's expectations in how he played in the preseason. I know it's a different animal during the regular season when you have all the studs you're trying to face, but uh, what do you think last year's training camp did for him? Well, it's definitely good. It gives him, you know, I think he, he got to see what other players, how they prepare. Um, he got to play in a few exhibition games. He knows what, you know, he can do and 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 what success he can have at this level. I think it's always hard when you get sent back down um, after you play in a few games and getting close to maybe making this team. I think it was an adjustment for him at the start, thinking that um, and not knowing the league that he was going into. And I think it, the first 15 games, it was a, it was a huge adjustment adjustment for him and I think he struggled a little bit at at that but um, I remember talking to him uh, probably about 10 games and he's like I can't score I can't score he didn't score a goal his first 15 games I don't think and he ends up with over 20 goals in junior so he basically had almost 20 goals in like 40 something games which is incredible so um, you know it just takes a little time so sometimes you leave an NHL camp and it's kind of hard to readjust and especially for him to a new league but um, he, he finally got it and, and, and adjusted and, and fit in pretty well. He's teammates with Evan Bouchard, who was taking two selections after him by Edmonton, and Adam and Evan were part of that whole equation of four or five guys last draft. Okay, who's going to turn out to be the best after Darlene? I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but but what do you see in terms of comparison? What what Bouchard's game is like compared to compared to Adams? Yeah, I think Bouchard's a little different of a player than Adam. He's he's obviously he's still got some offense to him, but he's not as electric. Um, you know, he, he's a bigger uh, bigger guy. Uh, a lot of people, um, you know, I think he was compared in his draft year to Petrangelo. So um, really good outlet passes and and um, you know smart plays where Adam can. Um, you know, can take over a game if he wants to and be that kind of electric piece that can really be a game breaker. Kind of like for me, like a, a Patrick Kane can be obviously comparable to maybe say when you have Jonathan that really does everything, you know, to 
perfect to a T and where Patrick, you know, maybe doesn't do everything perfect to a T, whether, you know, we're talking about maybe defensively, but he's electric and can break the game. So I think that's kind of maybe a comparison for Blackhawks fans to kind of know. But um, right now, the best thing is they're playing together as a pair, which is the first time all season. And obviously Adam had six goals, I think, in the first round. He might even have more, but he had uh, four goals in one game. So um, I think there have those two get along really well, and it's kind of been nice that they can kind of bond that way and play together. There's also the physical aspect, and there, there's a fine line really here between filling out physically with where he'll need to be but not rushing it. In, in terms of this you know growth process too because it can it can throw a guy off if that happens too quickly right yeah for sure I think you know we might see and I have no idea but you might see Evan Bouchard in the NHL before Adam you may not you may, hopefully they're both playing next year but Evan's a year older than Adam basically he's 11 months older so Adam was the one of the last uh, birth dates in the draft year one of the youngest guys so you know it's it's going to take him maybe a little bit more time and, and to adjust, but um, you know he, he wants it, which is the best thing. He wants to learn. He wants to, to get better. So I think for him, it's going to be an important summer to, to get some more strength, get his conditioning up to where the NHL standard is, and, and you know I think with the Blackhawks, uh, all the resources will be there for him to, to get better. So if he's in the NHL next year, great. I don't know where he's going to be, um, but. Uh, I definitely know that uh, he's on the right path. By all accounts, Adam Boquist still defensively still physically it's it's a physically it's a very crucial summer for him to kind of fill out and all as you heard brian say all the offensive tools are there for adam boquist it's just a matter of getting up to speed defensively i've seen some uh neutral observers who have looked at boquist game offering some real concern about you know whether he can able ever be able to get to the degree he'll need to at the NHL level, or whether he'll just turn into what perhaps Eric Gustafson is now. You know, um, try and at least hold your own defensively, cut down on the mistakes. But by all intents and purposes, from what we can gather, even though he surprised a lot of people in training camp, and Joel Quenville fell in love with him and was tempted to keep him on the on the main roster at the end of training camp last year. Probably another season in the OHL is going to do Adam Boquist some good. And this also allows the Blackhawks some time as Eric Gustafson goes into his contract year to see how well Gustafson's game can, can how, how much of a, a ceiling he can reach in the defensive end. Because today's NHL, I, I don't know if you can keep both a, a Gustafson and a Boquist at the level they are right now. They're, they're, if you're going to keep them both, they're both going to need to elevate their game defensively on, on the same you know, back six on the, on the blue line. Yeah, you can't have too many defensemen who are constantly joining the rush. Uh, Which is needed in today's game. It, it's a big part. You get a lot of goals but. that way. Yeah, you know, you, you need it, um, but you can't have guys. You, know, you need some guys to defend. And look, you know, that it helps to have uh, Brian Campbell there. And, and, and if you, you, you heard what Brian was saying, if you watch the... Uh, the tape put out by Blackhawks TV, he's as involved as you can be with, with a prospect in terms of uh, an alumni or a former player helping out. He's on the ice. He's he's letting him pick his his brain, like you said, off the ice. They're there breaking down tape. I mean, it's he's very involved, and that's only going to help him. So credit to Brian uh, Campbell for doing that. And we'll see. You know, I think you can always, you know, if you're an elite athlete, 
like these guys all already. Like, why can't you just learn um, another way to play, mm-hmm. how to defend a little better, another type of skill set, some things you can do. Yeah, they have those instincts where they want to to skate, and they they have a lot of agility and 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 great puck handling. Um, but yeah, maybe they can they can show up their game defensively and and look, you can do both. If you do one better than the other, it's okay. We'll, yeah. we'll see. And you need at least one of those guys to do that. Yeah, and uh, thanks to Brian for visiting with us. Uh, before we move on to some closing thoughts here, uh, props to Kendall Coyne Schofield. Boy, that wasn't too controversial. In the no, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Kendall, Kendall Coyne, friend of the podcast. Uh, yeah, look, you know, I, I, I'm interested in your take. I don't think I saw it on Twitter, but I watched it a couple times. I read the comments, and the the rule is, uh, you know, uh, Alex Rigsby came out to play the puck in overtime against Finland in Finland for the gold medal, and uh, she she got bumped into, and and uh, the puck got loose, and they scored. Finland was celebrating. It looked like they had won in, the, in, in their city, in their uh, in their country rather. And um, I, th- the rule is it has to be incidental contact, and you have to make a valiant effort not to run into the goaltender. Mm. So you have to look like you're trying not to hit them. I didn't think it looked that way. I thought I thought the con- it was pretty clear there wasn't an attempt to avoid the goalie playing the puck. I think it was the right call. It's just it's crazy the way it unfolded. Yeah. It is heartbreaking. And I could even understand. And plus, the, the part of the, part of the explanation too was that she committed a penalty in tripping a player too, and okay. <laughs> that was and the, uh, the the person playing the puck, yeah, trying to play the puck. Okay, yeah, and and yeah. so uh, that negated how the play ended up finishing, and yeah, but <laughs> in the end, they come away with a shootout victory. In that, you two, hate, to, two to one. You hate to see championships end in that manner. You hate to see championships be clouded in controversy like that. You know, uh, some people were just <laughs> outraged on Twitter, just playing the rule book to a T, which it should be. But sometimes weird things happen, and you know, yes, weird things even happen when you're wearing the red, white, and blue. And when that does happen, you're just going to have to. It, it worked in the Americans' favor this time. They'll take it and run with it, but at, at, at some point you're going to be upset when the calls go go against you too. And yeah. I do feel bad for the for the. Oh, I did too. I, I think you know. Hopefully, famous. most people with a heart and conscience did. <laughs> uh, it looked uh, Team USA fifth straight World Championship gold medal, so that's pretty uh, pretty stellar. And speaking of Kendall, you know she gets she gets all these TV opportunities with what she did in the All Star Game, and then gets the opportunity to captain this team, and she ends up being the best forward of of named best forward of the world with nine points. So so you know. Tap the stick all, to Kendall Coyne. All while doing analysis on NHL Network, yeah, too. Wow. She's, she's know, doing really a great job. With, uh, and along those lines, opportunity. along those lines, our pal Patrick Sharp is absolutely killing it yes, on NHL. He's doing on, a great job. On, uh, um, I don't know if my folks, my friends, my old friends at uh, my former employer, NBC Sports Chicago, if they're going to see Patrick again with the way he's performing on the network. I think network they, I think page. he likes being in, in Chicago. I do. Oh, he does. Here. He does. But I, I know it's a great opportunity. I can I think, see him. Doing, I think those local opportunities are going to be fewer and farther between, though, with the way he is. He is really doing a yeah, bang sure. up job on the network during for these sure. playoffs, and he is. He's been a quick study, and he is. Uh, he has the personality and the smarts for it, and he is. He is absolutely. Uh, doing an outstanding job. 
How are you, how uh, how are your sickos? Well, you're part of the sickos in your family. What is how going are my on? Sickos? What is going on in the King household? Oh my Between God. burning refrigerators yeah. and and uh, burning thermometers. Well, what, yes. Going? No, I, I was telling you before the show. I the Kings have had a rough April. It's been a, a record rough April for us. I think it was the. Uh, it might have been end of March or, or uh, the the first it's week of April. A blur. I, yeah, it is. I, I can't think. No, I, I ended up uh, missing only my second game of the whole season working for NHL. We, we talked about it on the show before when my daughter was sick and then uh, my son got sick last week with a virus. Uh, my daughter got it. She beat it quickly. I think my son might have just beat it. Now my wife and I have it. I am pretty much cured today. And you, I know you're keeping your distance. Get out of this booth right now. But no, and so... so we're working with that's a very bad stomach bug, and we are finally getting a new refrigerator tomorrow after uh, right. after it was uh, a little bit of uh, smoke in it before our last podcast. So a lot going on. Maybe something that doing with the the fire in the refrigerator or whatever it was uh, has led to the illnesses here in the King family. Maybe you don't you think know, it's tied in at know, all. No, if, if not directly impacting the food we ate. You know, stress is never good for you. Uh, quick nugget from me: you, you used the phrase "very bad," and um, again, kind of off out of the crease here, off the beaten path. Um, <laughs> Netflix is usually great with their offerings, <laughs> with what they have to offer. Uh, we decided to try, and I, I think I'd, I'd heard some people, I don't know, say or write that, yeah, check this out. So I checked out something called The Last Laugh, which is a, a Netflix movie with Chevy Chase, Richard Dreyfus, um, Andy McDowell comes in the movie as well. So we decided to try this the other night. It is awful. It is absolutely awful. The premise is is that Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfus are are in a retirement home together. Chevy Chase enters this retirement home where he sees his old an old uh, comedian, Richard Dreyfus. Chevy Chase used to be a talent agent, and the idea is to get out of this retirement home and go on the road with Richard Dreyfus as a stand up comic. And so it's a it's a it's an old guy's bust out of the retirement home on the road quote-unquote comedy, and I don't think I laughed one single time. It is so bad, and Richard, uh, Chevy Chase tries so hard to be funny that it, it's not funny. That Chevy Chase has a very narrow niche in his career in terms of what he is good at, and, and anything anything more spreading his wings it doesn't go very far. Yeah. But the whole thing is horrible. They go out on the road, and by the time... The objective is to hit the Fallon show, the Tonight Show, with wow. with this guy, Buddy, Richard Dreyfuss's character, who is finally back on the road after 50 years away from stand-up, um, becoming a podiatrist, by the way. And But the goal is to weave through the United States, going to podunk towns, taking his comedy circuit. Build his act right, for the show. And they eventually get to a friend here in Chicago, and there are several scenes here in Chicago and by the time they hit this, there are there there's weed, there's mushrooms involved, um, and by the time they get to Chicago, it got to the point where I could not watch it anymore. I oh. checked to see how much more was left in this movie. There were 25 minutes left, and and I 
I could, I turned, actually, my wife Natalie and I were watching this, and there were times during, during the course of the movie that I was looking over at her to see if, like, I could tell whether she was enjoying it or not, because I, I definitely face. was not, and by the time we, we paused this for a moment at, at the point it got to Chicago, and there's hallucination scenes and stuff like that. We t- do you want to watch the rest of this? No. And it was one of those points in, in your relationship with your wife where you, you figure, okay, I'm, we are on the same page with this. I, I get it. This is why this, hate is this why. movie. <laughs> we both hate this movie. We both see this the same way. And we were both laughing at how bad it was. So, I, hey, there may be some people out there who find a way to enjoy this movie. I would say don't don't. Don't bother, or, or maybe it. if you want to see how bad it is. But you couldn't even out. wait. You couldn't even wait twenty five minutes well, to see how no. bad it gets after no, you already I was invested missing, so much time. So and that's I was, how terrible. And it was. I was missing playoff hockey at the time yeah. too. So. I think you know where they went wrong in in writing that Richard Dreyfus was a stand up comedian. Hey, what's the deal with airplane food? <laughs> Until yeah. it bites you in the ass. You're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Richard Dreyfuss is a great actor, but th- nah, this whole thing, you know, there are some scripts that come along where it's just, do you need this payday really that bad? So it did uh, It did not translate. I saw a good so. movie. Glass was good. If anyone likes Unbreakable and Split. That was one of those as, as we were going through our on-demand. Well, did you see we the other going, two? Because it's like a trilogy. M. Night Shyamalan no, trilogy. So I better, better yeah, see the all, other two all first. Good. Those are good ones. All right. That's a wrap. We've gone uh, way too long here. This is, uh, this is two straight like hour-long plus podcasts. Chris has <laughs> the, there's a lot going on when, when the Hawks aren't playing. <laughs> that's right. Chris has to feed the meter. And maybe next, maybe next time, too. I also had a chance to talk to Kyle and Delia on Rockford Cleanout Day. Another great interview. So maybe when we come back at you in a couple weeks, um, I'm hoping to visit the Hockey Hall of Fame over the course of the next time. We I want to hear a, about it. That'd be awesome. We have a, uh, we have a trip. I'll take a, a, tw- a quick trip to Toronto. And uh, maybe there'll be playoff hockey involved when I'm there. I don't know. It depends on That'd Game cool. 7 here tonight. That would be a whole scene. But uh, when we come back, maybe we'll play the Delia interview. Maybe we can get Troy or somebody on the phone to talk about That'd the playoffs great. in yeah. general. Because... Uh, Man, there was enough to talk about here. We didn't even get to the Blackhawks until like 20 or 25 <laughs> minutes into this one. So thanks to everybody for joining us. Uh, again, a nice, long, I guess the off-season podcasts are longer than the in-season podcasts. I don't know. Somehow. We come less frequent, too. Uh, Facebook.com backslash Blackhawks crazy to uh, find our podcast. Read all of Scott's Chelsea blogger stuff. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter as well. He's at, at Scott King Media. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. And we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Podcast on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks as well to the man Joe Romano for pasting this all together once again. Yeoman Joe, maybe we'll take him out to lunch next time after we uh, we come back. Sounds he deserves good. he deserves he deserves a lunch here since he's got his hand in all these all these sports podcasts. So thanks to Joe Romano as well and to you for listening. And we'll let you know uh, via Twitter when the next one is coming out as well as uh, we'll have it on the uh, Blackhawks Crazy Facebook page too. I think they're getting ready to kick us out. I gotta go down and move my car too before I get slapped with a ticket. So thank you all for listening. We appreciate it and we'll talk to you down the road in a couple weeks. Enjoy the playoffs everyone.